Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. So Sheena, I've lost count, but I believe this is about episode 80 or so. So we've talked to about 80 or so different executives, leaders, sales experts. So I'm curious in your career, in Mm -hmm. your experience, were there any executive experiences that you've had in your past that have shaped how you lead today? That is a great question and one that requires a lot of thought. There is one example that really comes to mind, which was when I worked at LinkedIn, which was in the early days. We had about 350 employees at that time. Uh, Jeff Weiner had just joined as our CEO, and he left a really, you know, he left a really strong impression on my mind in terms of the way that he led. He knew every single employee's name, and he knew what every single employee was working on. So even for myself as a junior, you know, a junior member of the business development team, he would come over and tap my shoulder and say, hey, Sheena, how is so-and-so initiative or program going? And this, you know, at this point, like we were actually larger than 350. um, And I, it, it just blew my mind that he knew who I was and what I was doing. And it was so personal, um, for that stage and that scale and the way that we were growing. And that's something that I would really, you know, I, I really try to bring that into my, into my day-to-day life and the way that I engage with folks, you know, here at Gong and beyond. That is a great story and very impressive. I have uh, a couple people that live in my house and four that are on my team, and I can barely keep track of all of them, <laughs> uh, let, let alone hundreds of employees and all of their individual, you know, goals or responsibilities. So true. Uh, and you would have thought that I prepped you uh, with that story, but that is the perfect segue to who we hung out with today, which was Mike Small. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, me and you were astonished. I remember after we hung up uh, with Mike, we were like, wow, the fact that uh, you know, a, a CEO, a president of a company is so involved in the day-to-day operations and with, and with pride, not in the, I need to be micromanagey type of way, but like the genuine, I'm interested, I'm invested, and I want to be part of the day-to-day to make sure our clients are successful. Exactly. It's so easy at that stage and that level to be disconnected and you know be in that glass suite and not yeah. engaging with the rest of the company, with the with prospects, with candidates. But that wasn't the case for him at all. Not at all. Not at all. It was cool. He said one thing. Um, he was talking about having a really flat organization, uh, and he kind of shrugged it off. He's like, "It's not for everyone." Like you know what I mean? And I really like mm-hmm. that because he's like, as you. As listeners, as you hear the way that Mike, you know, shares the way he operates, I think it's easy for people to be like, well, this is how everyone should do it. Everyone should yeah. do it this way because it works for me. But he's kind of the opposite where he's like, I, I doubt this actually works for everybody. Um, but I really liked it. I respected it. And, uh, and I learned a lot too. So true. Let's go hang out with Mike. 
Let's do it. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining Reveal. Uh, you've made our Friday much better, so we're happy to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Devin. Appreciate you. Hello, Sheena. How are you doing? Very great to have you here. I'm well. Always good, well on a good. Friday. Fridays are good. Fridays are good. We schedule these on Fridays specifically because people are just in the for best mood. They're more relaxed. You've got a big smile on. Like We're, we're, we're vibing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got beach plans this weekend. I've got Mother's Day's plans this weekend. You know, I am already on weekend mode. So you're going to get you know, laid back, Mike, today. You know? Love it. I, I love that. And I hope that other people also refer to you as laid back, Mike, that know you. So it depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine Saturday and Sunday, probably Monday, Tuesday, maybe not so much. Um, well, cool. I want to dive in a little bit about uh, you, Mike, before we get into our topic today. And uh, I know that you started your career at Cytel as the chief customer officer before Correct. moving over to CEO. Can you walk us through, you know, I'm sure it was a long journey, but, you know, maybe a shorthand version of what that trajectory was like at Cytel and what your new role looks like now? Yeah, you know, I've got to give all, all, all credit to our two founders, you know, Olivier uh, Camino and uh, Laurent Huberti. You know, these two gentlemen, you know, they just mirror so many of our stories, right? So you know, not pretentious. They didn't grow up with a silver spoon. They started this business from a, an apartment in a flat in Europe and in, in, in Paris, France, with not a check from mommy or daddy. They charted it to be cash flow positive and got into the call center business uh, 25, 26 years ago. And, and today they've gone from, you know, humble beginnings to a $2.2 billion global, you know, company. And, you know, specifically as, as I joined them now four and a half years ago, you know, they asked me to come in and they didn't define job. They didn't define really title. They didn't define, uh, define scope. They said, we're changing culture. That's what, what's what we want you to do. You know, that's what I started doing, starting with our customers, listening to our customers, understanding how we could best support and match their strategy as well as link to their, their ambition and their goals. And that starts with putting really dedicated team members across a series of accounts and industries. And, and that's what I did for the first two years. You know, then they came to me and said, hey, listen, we want to promote you into our most important largest market, which is the America's market. So, you know, it's a $1.2 billion P&L and uh, we believe in you. And, you know, I'll tell you right now that, you know, I'm an African-American young guy, you know, no one in my career tap me on the shoulder to say, hey, listen, you're going to be CEO, let's go. Right? These guys did, right? Because not just that they believed in, in, in what we were trying to accomplish and do, they don't see boundaries. They don't see limits. They just work with their teammates. And as long as you're willing to learn, as long as you're willing to adapt and grow, they're going to support you and be behind, be behind you. And, uh, you know, that's really led to, uh, you know, the progression, you know, today, it's all about building teams, teams of, uh, of leaders, building our culture around our values. And uh, our leaders today, you know, if I go back to our story four and a half years ago when we made the purchase five years ago of Cytel, you know, the organization culture was very different. It was very hierarchical. You know, when we first came and, and, and listened to our clients, I heard things like, it takes sometimes you folks too long to, to make decisions and, and implement and execute and your competitors are a lot more nimble. You know, today when I speak to my clients, they, they, they absolutely are telling a different story about our, our, our culture. They say, you know, your teams are empowered. 
Um, you know, you seem to be a pretty flat organization, a pretty dynamic organization. And what's very evident to, to you know, customers and to our associates is we actually care about our associates. You know, we're bottoms up. You know, our pyramid is reversed. You know, the foundation of the many companies is our top of the pyramid, which is our associate experience. So if you start with that, you can find some phenomenal people in your organizations that in many cases are overlooked or buried under the sometimes the bureaucracy. So, you know, the journey in Cytel is, is you know, I, I'm here, I'm committed, I'm here to stay. This company is, is, is me. I mean, I, I, this company is our founders. This company allows us to be who we are, which is authentic individuals. And, uh, you know, that, that's why it's so fun getting up every day going to work. So today, Mike, we're going to talk a lot about building relationships um, and there are many people who are listening who aspire to be in your shoes. They want to be the CEO of a billion dollar organization. Um, I'm curious if there's any specific relationships from your personal experience that really helped contribute to get where you are today. That's a great question. Oh boy. Yeah, there's one, right? And, uh, you know, it's my, it's my grandmother. Okay, so first off, like I am 100% a middle child. Okay, so like I suffer from middle child syndrome. All right, and <laughs> you know, for for those middle children out there, like like there's six brothers and sisters in our family, right? I'm like number three. So for those of you that are in the middle, I got all the empathy and love, brothers and sisters, because it can be a lonely, lonely existence there. You know, uh, when you're right in the middle. So, you know, jokes aside, uh, my grandmother was very instrumental in forming me, okay? So when I think about my grandmother, I think of uh, um, a brilliantly strong woman who was the backbone of our family. You know, she grew up in, you know, the Midwest, moved to the big city, you know, got married, you know, when my grandfather came back from the war, was not at all fit for purpose when he came back and ended up leaving. And she was uh, a single mom with my mother, and child, and she grew up, um, you know, very hard, very fast in that type of uh, uh, situation and environment. And she then basically rose up and actually became the director of nursing at a private hospital and, you know, was you know, patented with a technique around uh, they, they mastered in hernia operations and flew the world uh, doing this technique. And, um, you know, I remember at her retirement party, um, there were people through multiple decades of her life that got up and spoke and spoke about her. And the one thing that my grandmother would be, because she was very successful, you would never know it. She is like the most humble, humble individual I've ever met. And, you know, grounded in her faith and grounded in just actually try your best, do what's right, help the next person. And, uh, you know, that, that, that relationship formed me. You know, uh, I'll tell you that when I lost her, it was it was a, a difficult time in my life. Right. Because, you know, when it's so foundational when that's like your rock, um, you know, you got to try to move on. So when I think about what I try to be as whether it's CEO or chief cheerleader is what I call myself is always be grounded in 
what would grandma do, right? And, and for me, that's like help the next person. Because here's the best thing about like being, you know, see whoever, right? Is, you know, I, I've got like five or six mentees that I spend a lot of time with in Cytel because I know they're going to be bigger, badder, stronger, wiser, stronger, just, just better Mike Smalls, right? They're going to beat me. And that's why I come to work. Because, you know, like when those folks actually rise up to that level, like I want to be at their retirement party, right? And that, that's where I'm going to be like, I remember when, right? And uh, celebrate their successes. So. I love that. We got to get some stickers made, WWGD. And, yeah. uh, you know, remember that this line from Mike. There you go. I love that. Very go. inspiring. I have a question kind of diving into that culture side of things. Was it a surprise to leadership what you ended up hearing from your customers on how they perceived your own culture? Or was there a sense of that? Did you have like information or data or perspectives that there was some gap there? We absolutely saw that just in terms of, we knew that there was a gap just in terms of financial performance compared to the market. So when we first came in, obviously, you know, we're firstly into the details of, of all of our publicly available information, competitors, clients, industries that are growing, et cetera. And you can take a look at, you know, is your revenue growing? You know, where are you in terms of your financial performance against your peers? And most importantly, you know, where are you with your people, right? And, you know, we spent most of the time in our sites, working with our people, listening to our people. And you can start stitching the story together in terms of what our customers are saying, what your people are saying, and then your market performance. So we had some understanding that culture change was required. Um, you know, we put a, a very aggressive uh, uh, transformation program and plan in place in order to accomplish uh, that, that transformation. And, um, you know, surprise, no, hard work, heavy lifting, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's, there's folks that when you, when you go through any type of transformation or cultural change, there's going to be early adopters, right? And, and, you know, you think about, you know, our best accomplishments as leaders, and I can, I'll just use their first name first so that they don't get poached from me, you know, Sean, Lindsay, Christian, um, Satish, uh, Ravi. These are leaders that were in very different jobs when we first came to Cytel, and they're leading some of our most important geographies, our most important markets. Uh, Eduardo and, and, and Nanda, you know, some of these leaders are leaders that, you know, in any other company, I don't know if they would be given the opportunity. And, and, and I can speak for myself, you know, my, myself included. So if you are allowing leaders to be authentic and if you're allowing leaders to truly embrace what you're trying to accomplish, you get early adopters. And then you also get folks that are kind of in the middle, right? And, and the folks that are in the middle are the, the most difficult to that you want to give them every opportunity to try to make that curve, make that transition, make that turn. But we've got to continue to move forward, right? And then you have the those that are going to either opt out or just kind of sit back and say, eh, I'm not too sure about this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to just let this guy kind of, you know, walk into it and, uh, you know, maybe he'll be gone in uh, a couple of years. But, you know, hey, listen, that's the change curve. Right. And, and in terms of the change curve at Cytel, we're, 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 we're past that, man. We are all full steam ahead going past where are we going to be in the next three to five years? And, and that focus and that rigor and that discipline in our business is all around our customers. I love that. 
Um, you know, speaking of early adopters and innovators, um, you know, I think you have like a philosophy really around building some executive relationships specifically with innovators and those early adopters. And I'm sure that played a role in this tra cultural transformation at Cytel. Can you tell us a little bit more about that specific approach that you have on building relationships with innovators? Yeah, you know, when I first came into Cytel, we had a, a, a large segment of our business was traditional retail, right? And, and brick and mortar retail. And, and many of those companies, you know, they're, they're not in existence today, right? So we use that catalyst to say, listen, if, if we are not going to help our customers transform, they, the industry is not waiting. Their industries are not waiting. That's point one. And point two, you know, we've also got to get ourselves aligned to the disruptors that are transforming those industries, not just waiting for, um, you know, uh, some of our existing customers to either be bought or transformed through just uh, uh, not being able to survive. So we, we put a program in place, we called it Spark. And, and when you think about like striking a match, right? Like I, I think of disruptors is they are not going to sit still. There is going to be friction. They are here to disrupt. So when we think about striking that match, that spark initially is explosive, you know? And once they come out of the gate, the trajectory is a rocket ship. It's not like a linear growth curve that you know, one can, you know, wake up every morning and say, this is just steady state, normal business as usual. It's not. So do you have the right talent to go after the mindset of disruptors? And, uh, you know, I think of one of our leaders, Jeff Clement, who's one of our chief CX leaders. He has that mindset, right? His first conversation with me was, dude, you're not cool enough for my customers. I, I agree. <laughs> Because <laughs> when you see Jeff, he's in his hoodie, okay, he's in his sneakers, and he just thinks differently. And, and that's the beauty of what some of our company, our, our biggest strength is, we allow everybody to be authentic, right? So Jeff has no issue telling whatever, we don't care about titles, CEO, you know, uh, you know kind of associate, we, we don't care exactly what's on his mind. Yeah. So he helped form our strategy around Spark. And it was like he is going to go after brands and his mindset around growth is not, you know, 500, you know, FTE deals and, you know, incorporating robotics and automation day one. His philosophy is how do I get completely aligned with my customer's mindset around their product? around what they they view the earth, the, the, their world, their sphere, so that I can best build a team of associates that mirror their culture, that are locked in step with their strategy and their approach. And whether it's Aura Ring, Square, Zendesk, partnering with CallMine or HelloFresh, Affirm, these are some of the brands that we start with you know, maybe two or maybe five or maybe 15, maybe 20 associates with some technology but we are able to ensure that we're aligned with them in terms of their rocket ship trajectory. And, and having the team that supports those disruptive brands not be completely aligned to say um, a legacy retail as an organization or a, a industry was what we did very, I think, well, you know, 15% of my revenues today come from disruptive programs. I wanna, I wanna double it to 30, right? If I look at best in class in my industry at around 28. So, you know, we have a plan, we, we, we start with talent, we start with ensuring that that talent is fully empowered, go. 
Mike, I'm, I'm a little surprised, honestly, that you said uh, you you weren't cool enough. Um, you're, you're wearing a really cool green and blue blazer today. You seem I like a pretty lax guy. So it kind of goes to my next question, which is, you know, aside from, you know, finding someone with a hoodie, how do you identify innovators and disruptors that you want to grow a relationship with? You know, our, our, our two our two founders are entrepreneurs, right? And, and that entrepreneurial mindset, I, yeah, I, I, I like to look at myself as an entrepreneur. But like, like I'm soft guys, you know, like I, I didn't wake up out of college and be like, yo, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start, you know, a business out of my garage or my basement that takes guts. Let's just face it. Right. Like entrepreneurs have, have guts, right. Mm -hmm. They have conviction, they have guts, they have a point of view and, you know, they're not, they're not afraid to fail. You know, I think about, you know, you know, what it must have been like, where it's like, am I going to be able to make payroll for, you know, my 50 FTE or my 50 associates, you know, um, mm -hmm. and how much sacrifice those leaders made back in the early days when, you know, nothing was certain, right? So I think about um, entrepreneurs, that's what I look for in our organization. Because if you're entrepreneurial, number one, you're going to be aligned with our, our founders, right, which is big, right? Number two, you're going to have the DNA that is about taking balanced risks, but not afraid to fail. And that's the biggest thing I feel, you know, hey, listen, I get it, man. Fear of failure is a big deal, right? No one wants to fail. But the truth of the matter in disruptive uh, uh, brands and or uh, disrupting an industry, many of them fail. So we gotta be okay with that, right? We gotta embrace failure and we gotta learn from it. We gotta apply those learnings and dust ourselves off and get on to the next one. And, and that's what we're trying to build into the, the fabric of, of Cytel, which is, listen, guys, it's okay to fail. I call it, I, I've taken a few punches, right, in the last four years, right? You know, I uh, got punched now and then is, is not fun, okay? But it's how you work together, how you get up and recover from that and support each other. You know, if it's about finger pointing or if it's about this person or that person, that, that's not how we roll, right? Just what did you learn from it? Okay, you got your learnings? Great, let's go. Next. I like that a lot. We, we call it on my team, big swings, right? You're either swinging for the fences and uh, sometimes you strike out, you whiff. But when you go into these big swings, these, you know, big projects, innovation, disruptive, whatever it may be, you go into it, like before we even start, it's like, you know, be very aware of what will happen if you win and be very aware of what will happen if it doesn't work. And it's okay. Both are fine because you're going to either win or you're going to learn and sometimes both. Exactly right. I agree. So kind of coming back to building the executive relationships, I'm curious um, if you could point to a couple examples of the impact of developing relationships with some of these executives at your clients. Um, you know, if you could touch on some of the impact to your business, that'd be great. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I feel like, so first off, we are very flat, right? You know, I, I've had a couple of my, my industry colleagues say, you know, like, you guys are too flat. And it's like, well, it's because we're not for everybody. You know, we, we absolutely are an organization that's connected to the more layers between us and the associate take us around, from, take us further away from what's happening on the ground with our clients. So specifically to executive relationships, I'm connected with all of our, with all of our, our, our relationships, you know, and it's, it starts with like simplicity around an organization model. Like we, we, we use the word or the term small tense, right? 
we don't like, you know, 15, 10, five people in a, in a tent. And we think about that, 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 that's not, that's not very comfortable or doesn't smell great after a little while. Right. So like, I'm down to like one, two, three people. Okay. If we have a account leader, okay. We have a operations leader and we have an executive sponsor. Okay. It's not, I can't be executive sponsor for all 400 plus of my clients. We have lots of executives in the firm, you know, you choose your executive sponsor. The executive sponsor should be able to know where we're at with every KPI of that program. Should be able to pick up the phone and pulse the client. How's my team doing? Any concerns? Anything that I need to be aware of? Any changes that you need from us? Um, but the operations leader needs to be very grounded in terms of their, their, their team, very grounded in terms of their performance and KPIs, and very grounded in terms of continuous improvement. And then the account leader is the leader that we want to ensure is fully aware where we stand to the network, where we stand to that customer, where we stand in terms of being able to take on growth. Because that's what fundamentally we want. We want to grow with our customers and support them more. So that small tent is our philosophy around how we go about building relationships with our customers. What I like to hear from our customers is, is really two or three things, right? Question one, who's your go-to partner? And if it's not Cytel, what do I need to do to change in order for in 12 months, six months, three months, when I ask you that question, it's Cytel, okay? Number two, um, tell me about your business model. Tell me about your business. What's working, what's not. In, and, and this is where we, we really truly need to have like two ears and one mouth, yeah? and listen attentively to what we're being told in terms of our customers' needs and demands. And then number three, be present, right? You know, like we're not one of those teams that like drop in an executive sponsor when things are broken or red and then, you know, you don't see that individual for, you know, the next year or two, you know, we're actively engaged. So like, you know, cadence with purpose, right? Meaning that I'm gonna have, whether it's a monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, annual touch point, I'm gonna be prepared for it, you know, we're doers. So, you know, I, I, I do all of my own preparation for those meetings. I work with my team, obviously, but, you know, we're not, you know, too big on, you know, teammates briefing on PowerPoint, you know, I had an executive that said, if you live off PowerPoint, no offense to Microsoft, I love them dearly, uh, but you uh, lack power and sometimes don't make your point. So, you know, for us, it's like pen and paper, right? And, and it's way okay with like a pen, and a paper, you know, and just tell me, write down your story, write down where you're at. Okay, it doesn't have to be, you know, fancy to understand that you know your business and you know where your customer's at. So preparation's key, cadence key, visibility, being actually on the ground with the team and the client is uh, what leads to meaningful executive relationships with your customers. For Mike and his philosophy on building executive relationships, Bringing in innovative leaders that fit Cytel's values is important to drive a strong sales culture. That sales culture in turn promotes the formation of executive relationships with clients and prospects. This helps clients and prospects see your organization as dynamic and most importantly motivated to help solve business problems. This reminds me of a stat taken from Glassdoor, where they reported that organizations that invest in a strong candidate experience see a 70% increase in quality of hires. 
This tells me that, like Mike said, building strong executive relationships and bringing future employee innovators through a quality candidate process will help companies generate more revenue over time. In turn, you see a more quality team that aligns with your company values and that show clients that you are the organization to choose to solve their critical business problem. While this may not sound like the most sales-oriented stat up front, if you think about it, focus on bringing in the right company executive or rep that aligns with your values and mission will make them happier to be there and work harder. That work is what's going to help you close more and drive more revenue. I love your approach on the small tent and your background in customer success and that customer experience is so, you know, comes through so clearly. I'm curious a little bit more on the um, executive sponsor. Are those executives that are designated to accounts coming from across the organization? So you may have a product exec or a marketing exec or a sales exec, or are they specifically coming from um, whatever your notion of customer success team is? Yeah, listen, we, we, we are in customer experience, right? So, you know, back 25 years ago, call it call center. That's not what we do today. We do CX experiences across any channel you want. And fundamentally, that requires, you know, a tremendous amount of integration now technology. So when I think about our business, if you're truly a professional in CX, roll up your sleeves, right? So a great example of this in terms of culture and DNA, when we have what we call a C-expert event, which is where we do either email review session technology, we'll call listening sessions or you know, design process mapping sessions with our, 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 our operations teams, we bring in audit, finance, office managers, CEOs, uh, CFOs, COOs, we, anybody that touches, anybody that has a badge, right, this, that says Cytel, we expect you to be actually in our C-Experts event, okay? Because that's fundamentally where we recognize the best associates that we listen to or we, 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 we evaluate interactions, okay? Valuing conversations is, is a big factor of our, of our purpose. So everyone's expected to do that. Okay, so when you set that foundation of that culture of expectation, day one, everyone does it, right? Doesn't regardless of your role. The second element of that is regardless of your role, you're expected to know our core business. And our core business is very data centric. It's very much in the details of KPIs. So as an executive sponsor, what we're not is like, you know, cigar smoking, let's go out and play golf, you know, once a year, right? And shake hands. No, uh uh. Executive sponsor for us is like with their teams. So I just conducted a review of my global operations for one of our large healthcare clients. It's a monthly call where every operations manager of that team is on the call with me and they're walking me through the global integrated playbook across five sites. They're walking me through how they're going to actually ramp a domestic US site for seasonal volume. They're going to walk me through how they're going to be prepared to do the same as in one of our Philippine centers. They're going to walk me through how our nearshore centers are going to be number one and number two in terms of their global network. That cadence as an executive sponsor happens monthly for me. The client's not on that. Right? So when I have the client call, whatever it is, whether it's quarterly, whether it's an interaction that just um, is infrequent just because I like checking in, 
I know where I'm at. I know where my teams are at. I know what their challenges are. I know what I, their ask of help is from me and the client. So that's what an executive sponsor is to us. Roll up your sleeves, get into the details and support the team. Earlier you had mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm too flat. Some of my exec friends think, uh, you know, I'm too close. I, I was going to say, how do you, or ask, how do you get to that point? Because I think we've heard, you know, Sheena, we've heard folks say, or you know, they are a flat organization, but you know, there's room to be, you know, room to grow into that, or they're trying to be more flat. To me, Mike, it sounds like accessibility is kind of the, you know, whether it's access or um, just like you said, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved. Is that kind of the key to you and your philosophy of, of remaining a flat organization or is, there, or is there something else maybe I'm still missing? You know, I, I, I just, I actually, you know, an hour ago had an interview with a colleague uh, that, that's, that's applying for a role with us and, you know, the, the, the candidate, you know, didn't have any questions, but he said to me, I, I just have never had the CEO interview, like, you know, at, at my, he's a vice president potential position. So yeah, I, I interview all of our VPs. You know, I, I interview some of our, many of our senior directors. Right. And one of the reasons that I do that is because, you know, what, what, what I want for them as a candidate is for them to have a good experience. Right. And even if it's going to be, listen, we're not the, the right fit for either, you know, Cytel or for, for, for the candidate. Um, I want them to leave that uh, interaction with a positive feeling of, of Cytel, and I also want them to leave that interaction hopefully learning something. And for, for, for us, you know, it's you have to be a doer. I want to be very clear with leaders that are coming in here. If you're, you know, a pontificator, if you're a great speaker, right, if you're a great, you know, you know from on top, kind of top down, we're not the place for you. You know, and, and that's just being very candid through lots of trials and experiments. You know, we have to be true to ourselves, right? Who we are as a company is we're doers, right? Which means, and that means different things to different people, right? So by storytelling and giving very specific examples of, listen, I, I just came off a call where I reviewed my workforce management, you know, file and where I'm having pressure points in five global locations. And by account where I may not be at with a fill rate. And if that freaks people out that, you know, the CEO does that and, you know, again, maybe not, maybe not the company for you. Right. So I think, you know, to your point, knowing and, and being true to who you are as an organization and setting those expectations very clearly is where I've learned. Right. Because, you know, what I've tried to do in the past is sometimes say, I can coach anybody up, but you know, they, they've got the skills, they've got the foundation, they've got, they've got a lot to offer. Right. But what I can't change is our culture. Yeah. Our culture is everything to us. So by being authentic, being honest, being very open about, you know, who and what we are and why we are the way we are is critical to, uh, to onboarding and bringing on board leaders that actually share that philosophy. Absolutely. And I know that it takes, uh, it takes discipline, right. To pass on top talent, knowing it's not the right talent for, for your team and your culture. Yeah. Mike, we asked the same question to all of our guests to wrap up and I don't put it on the prep doc because I like to put you on the spot a little bit. (laughs) You don't seem like anyone who really cares if you're on the hot seat, you're pretty calm and collected here. So, uh, easy question. How would you describe sales in one word? Fun. 
There you go. You, now you can elaborate if you like. You don't have to. I think I kind of got the picture from from talking to you for a little bit, but feel free to elaborate if you like. You know, I I, I view it as fun, right? You, you get to meet new people. You get to you compete, right? You know, like I, I said this to our sales leaders on our we have a weekly call with them. You know, you got the toughest job in the organization, right? Because like, how many times a week are you told no? You know, and, you know, I got to tell you, it's a special individual that, you know, wakes up every morning, right, and is like maniacally focused on getting told no and keeping on keeping on, you know, um, and those are the leaders that, uh, you know, listen, in our industry, in my, in my business, you know, if you're not growing, you're, you're, you're dying, you know, and we've gone from like 1.6 billion to like we're on truck directory to 2.3 we want to do m a coming and a lot of other growth initiatives but i still wake up every day and like on my wall like here's all the leaders in the industry that i don't have right now that i want you know and uh we call it our must have must win list and uh you know in order for that to materialize into a relationship that matters it starts with the sales professional and the sales professionals that we attract and retain and develop, they're fun. You know, we've got a session coming up in a week where they, now we can fly in for those who have been vaccinated. We, we have this usually quarterly where we come in, we're going to have fun. We're going to recognize, you know, our sales talent and treasure that have helped us grow and helped us succeed. You know, I think sales is fun. And if you don't think sales is fun, maybe do what I did initially before I got into sales. I was a finance guy, so... You know, we, we, we need auditors. We, we, we need controllers, you know, and I'm not saying that finance auditors and controllers aren't fun, too. Our, our CFO is pretty fun. But, uh, you know, I think it's a criteria to be a really a, a effective sales individual. You've got to be able to embrace the job as and have fun. That's amazing. Well, cheers to that. Cheers to sales being fun. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on Reveal, Mike. We had a blast getting to know you. And you. Take Big care, thanks, Devin. Mike. Appreciate you. Every week we bring you a micro action, something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Mike emphasized that clients get a glimpse of your company's culture and that it influences their decision to partner with you. He said it best, being on the ground with the team and the client is what leads to meaningful executive relationships. This week, get together with your team and talk through how you embody your company culture in every cold call or every deal cycle. Are you showing prospects and clients that you're willing to match their strategy, ambition, and company goals? Do you seem dynamic and motivated? Is your team willing to go the extra mile to seal an executive relationship that can last for years? Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.